If you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke chapter 5. As we continue through this wonderful gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and as I have approached this, uh, this passage today, my mind has just been filled with uh, memories of fishing with my family. Anybody have those memories out there, fishing with your family, fishing with your dad, your grandfather? Uh, just There wasn't uh, hardly a month once I was probably, I would say, maybe Chloe's age or a little older, uh, my family was very wealthy. I've told you all the story. No, we're not, okay, we're not, but my family I grew up with was, and we had every kind of boat you could imagine. We took trips, and we had a, we had a, uh, we had a pontoon boat and a speed boat and a fishing boat, and there was just not a weekend that we were not on the lake or on the water somewhere. And so this account of uh, Jesus calling Simon and this miraculous catch of fish, as I have anticipated this over the past few weeks, you can just imagine the memories that have just just flourished in my mind. And I'm going to share one of those with you this morning. Uh, it didn't happen in a lake. It happened on a river. Uh, so I'll share this with you briefly before we start. Many years ago, when I was a little younger than Micah, my grandfather bought a cabin in the Ozarks. Who's been to the Ozarks before? Anybody been to the Ozarks? Beautiful place up there. And the cabin was about walking distance from the White River. And his plan was to take us there several times a year for fishing and camping to have those family experiences that we would reflect on our entire lives. There was just one problem. We had no idea how to fish for rainbow trout in clear river water. There's a big difference in a lake. Those of you that have done lake fishing and then, and then clear water fishing, it's just, it's just different. And we had no idea how to do that. So my grandfather did what most people would do. What did he do? He hired a guide. Right? Paid money to have a guy show us how to fish on the river. And this guy's name was Mr. Bill Waits. Now, I don't know if Bill is still with us or not, uh, but, uh, but I remember Bill like it was yesterday. Uh, he had his father, he and his father had two boats, and we would start out early in the morning to catch some live bait. Yes, he made us catch our own live bait. Can you believe that? Made us catch our own live bait. Then we started scouting the river, and as soon as he saw a school of fish, he would motor back up the river, making a wide circle, and get about a quarter of a mile upriver from the fish, and then do what they call dragging, and help us bait our hooks and start fishing for trout. Now, Bill, as I remember, was somewhat temperamental and loud, chain-smoked cigarettes, yes, wore a big cowboy hat and polarized sunglasses and used colorful language when we set the hook too fast, right? Slow down, slow down, you know. And, and just when we missed that German brown trout, he would just start, you know, cussing in the boat. But this man knew the river and knew how to fish. Now, we would fish on our own. We would fish on our own for hours and catch a chub or two. Y'all know what a chub is, right? An ugly fish that you can't eat that's real little. We would catch a chub or two, but Bill could put us on dozens of fish, have the limit within a couple of hours, and then spend the rest of the day searching down a wall hanger rainbow or German brown trout. That's who Bill was, Bill Waits. He had lived on that river his entire life and knew when, how, and where to catch fish. Well, this morning in Luke chapter 5, we get to go fishing on the lake of Gennesaret with Peter and Jesus. Amen? A little bit different than Bill. <laughs> Just a little bit different than Bill, okay? And we see Christ's ministry gain momentum. 
Jesus has resisted the temptation in the wilderness by the evil one. He has been rejected and escaped an attempted execution by his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He goes to Capernaum and expels a demon from a man in the synagogue in the middle of worship and then heals Simon's mother-in-law who was very sick with a fever. And now the scene shifts to the water, to the lake of Gennesaret, a thriving area of commercial fishing. Now, Christ's mission as the servant son of God has not changed. He gave us that. Luke gave us that at the very beginning of this gospel when he goes to the, to the uh, synagogue in Nazareth. He said, the spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has very subtly, but again, very loudly claimed that he is the Messiah servant spoken of in Isaiah. And so we see his ministry begin to gain momentum. So Luke is providing us with a very clear picture, very clear picture of who Jesus is five chapters in. Number one, Jesus is empowered by the Spirit primarily to preach and teach the gospel. Empowered by the Spirit to preach and teach the gospel. Number two, he has power. He has clearly shown that he has power over what? The forces of hell. He has power over demons. He can silence them and he can expel them from people's bodies. Number three, he has power over illness and disease. We have seen that. Expelling this fever from Simon's mother-in-law. Clearly, he, is power. he has power over illness. And today, we see that he has power over what? Nature. He has power over nature. And the purpose of this story is, number one, to identify Simon Peter, but number two, to help us in our own lives grapple with sometimes the resistance that we have to answering the call of God to follow him. Is that difficult sometimes? Can you amen that? God calls us to do something, and we think we know better than God, amen? And so we try to haggle and bargain with God. Well, today we see in Simon a very real man in a very real quandary that answers the call of God, and this is to encourage us today in our faith. Go along with me in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to what? Sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Simon Peter now, Simon, this big, lifelong, burly fisherman, falls down at Jesus' knees in the boat and says, Depart from me, 
for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching who? Men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So let's break this down, brothers and sisters. Verses 1 through 3. Jesus preaches from Simon's boat. That's what happens here at the beginning. So Jesus kind of makes a floating pulpit out of Simon Peter's boat on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God and so forth. So the crowd was, was pressing in on him, and the scripture says why they were pressing in. And why were they pressing in on Jesus? What did they want to do? They wanted to hear they wanted to hear Jesus speak. Specifically, they had heard in the community that the amazing preacher that Jesus was, and so they wanted to not miss anything he said, so they wanted to get close enough to him to where they could clearly hear him preach. So they pressed in. So they had heard of Christ's ministry. They had come by the hundreds, if not thousands, to hear the word of God preached. Boy, that begs a question this morning, right out of the chute this morning. Do we still have this desire to hear the word of God today, or do we have itching ears? Do we really want to hear what Jesus has to say? Do we really want to hear what Christ has to say to us? Or do we want to be entertained and given the warm and fuzzies? Or do we really want the convictional, spirit-empowered preaching of Jesus Christ? Which do we want? Do we still have the desire or do we have itching ears? Do we still consider it a great privilege and blessing to be able to come to church and worship Jesus and study his word? Do we? Or is it something that we will blow off in a heartbeat to do something else if something better comes along? That begs the question in the text today. In Capernaum, the crowd had gotten huge. And unlike in our day, now this is going to be a little convictional for you, okay? Unlike in our day, where did the people want to be? Up front. <laughs> where do y'all want to be today? Oh, say it, come on. Back, row, bad. I got in a lot of trouble last time I threw that out there. Y'all remember that? got in a lot of trouble. Man, I was a back row Baptist one time. Hey, man, the word of God and his grace is, is as effective in the last row that is at the front. Amen? Amen. So it don't matter. I'm just having some fun. Come on now. So he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and this is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. And this specific area was named after the area that was near the water. So he's here. He's preaching. The people are pressing in. They want to hear him preach. He's by this lake, and he sees two boats, two boats by the lake. But the fishermen were gone because they were washing their nets. And as we will find out, the soon-to-be apostles had been fishing all night because the preferred time to fish uh, is, is at nighttime, and they were now preparing to go home, putting up their gear, washing their nets. Now, I don't know about you, but when I come across something like that in the text, I stop, I stop immediately, and I'm like, okay. These nets are a, a, a focal point of Christ's teaching. All through the scripture we have heard that they dropped their what? Nets, and they followed him. So I, I got to study about the nets. Y'all want to know about the nets? Okay, great, because I got a whole thing in here for you on the nets, okay? Great. So the phrase, washing nets, identifies the exact net in, in, that is in use. 
And I did not know this before I studied this passage. And I've been a Christian leader for years and years and years. These were most likely called trammel nets. Who knew that? Raise your hand if you knew it was a trammel net. Okay, thank God I'm giving you something you didn't know. All right. So a trammel net was made of linen and consisted of three layers. And because of its complexity, it was also a net that needed washing and cleaning. So the bottom was rigged with weights and the top with floats so that it created this vertical wall that extended from the bottom to the surface of the lake. Okay, you got the picture? So it was like a curtain, like a curtain hanging down in the water, okay? So the three layers of net consisted of two outer nets. So you've got one middle net and two outer nets. And the two outer nets were like these, had these large mesh holes in them, large mesh holes. Then the inner net between them was real fine net. So what happened was, was the fish would be swimming and the fish could make it through the outer net just fine, right? But when it got through the outer net and it hit that inner net, it would panic and then try to, try to swim either, either that way or turn around and get back out. And by that time, it was too late, right? Because what happened to the fish? Tangled, caught, caught in the net. And so the nets, because of this configuration of these nets, because of the outside mesh and then the inside net, what happened a lot with those nets as they were used in the lake? Got dirty, got real, real dirty, got seaweed in them, got all kind of debris in them and stuff like that. And they were very expensive because they were made of linen. So every time they got finished using the nets, they drug them onto shore and they washed them and cleaned them. Does that sound like a pretty painstaking task? Yes, okay? So this is going on, right? So picture this. Picture everything I've told you, all right? Now, Jesus gets into Simon's boat, and what does Jesus ask Simon to do? Go back out, right? Go back out. So Jesus sees an opportunity to put some space between him and the crowd so that they could all see and hear him more clearly. Clearly, So Jesus turns Peter's boat into a floating pulpit. So then he sat down in the boat and he taught the people from the boat. Now, now how could Peter refuse doing this? Because what had Jesus just done? healed his mother from a fever, amen? So like Jesus is going to say, no, Jesus, you can't get in my boat and preach, right? Ain't happening. He just healed his mother-in-law from a, from a fever. Maybe he was mad that he healed her. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, but, but anyway, so, so they get into the boat, and he goes out there and he starts preaching. Look at verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into, de into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, Christ completes his teaching and instructs Simon to head back out into the lake and let his nets down again. Now, now, now does that take some nerve? That takes some nerve. And it seems that this instruction was public. It seemed that Jesus assumed charge of his boat and commanded Peter to go back out and fish again when Peter was, was just doing what? He was cleaning up. He was done. He was done for the day. Now, now let me try to help you relate to this in a real-world example, okay? <clears throat> Have you ever been, uh, mostly I'm talking to guys probably, probably, have you ever gone somewhere that you really didn't want to go on Saturday to do some shopping, like Walmart? Okay. Were you given a list, 
and then you go to Walmart and fight Walmart on that day, and you painstakingly go up and down the rows and get everything that you're supposed to get that day. You, you make it up to the checkout. Uh, you double-check the list. You buy all the stuff. Uh, you walk through the checker, you know, give them the receipt to show, although they don't do that a whole lot anymore, but I always have the receipt ready, don't y'all? So you, you walk out, you get all the way to the car, you unload all the bags into the car, you get in your car, you crank it up, and oh, that air conditioner hits you in the face, amen? Amen? <laughs> the air conditioner hits you in the face, you find your favorite songs, you can roll the windows down or whatever, you know, cruising back home. You pull out, you get out on the road, and you're headed home, and what happens? The phone rings. And you answer the phone, and this voice on the other line says, Are you still at Walmart? <laughs> now, what do you have a tendency to say? I mean, I'm not too far out of the parking lot. What do you need, honey? So that just kind of, that's kind of where Peter is, you know? They, 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 they've been out there all night fishing. They've, he said he toiled. That word means to, to labor very diligently all night. They come back in. Jesus comes out, gets on his boat, does some preaching, and says, oh, hey, Peter, go, go out to deep water and drop your net down again. And you're like, do I have to, Jesus? I mean, really? I, I, I mean, that's kind of where Jesus is. And so Simon says, Master, we told all night and took nothing. But at your what? That, that word is not there as a coincidence. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So Peter probably thinks to himself, so this carpenter is going to show me how to what? Fish? Okay, so, so let us not make the mistake Peter does, however. Listen very carefully because I'm bad about this. Never, ever be so arrogant that you disregard the advice of others in matters of which you think they have no experience. You may be shocked just how much they know because they don't know that they what? Don't know the answer. Case in point. Y'all know I had the Jeep running here lately, right? Okay, well, it wasn't running for a while. And I'm out there struggling with that Jeep trying to get that thing cranked, and I've done everything I know to do, Right? Angie comes outside. You know where this is going? She sits in the Jeep, and it's cranking, and it's just modeling along. And I said, I said, you know, honey, the only thing I can think of is that it's the condenser and the distributor cap, and I, I've got three, and I've tried every one of them, and they can't all be bad. I just, don't, I just don't know what to do. And she said, well, that other one over there runs, doesn't it? And I was like, hey, why don't you take the condenser out of that one because you know it's good and put it in the Jeep? Peter, go back out and put the net down deep. Amen? <laughs> and, and so I did it, and guess what? It worked. Don't ever discount somebody's advice just because you don't think that they know what they're talking about. I mean, God spoke through a donkey, amen? And no, I'm not saying you're a donkey, okay? All right. So, but can't you hear Peter secretly thinking, Okay, Nazarene carpenter, you handled that heckler pretty good in the synagogue and somehow cleansed a man with a demon and somehow you healed my mother-in-law, but this is different and this is what? Out of your league. We've been fishing how long? 
all our lives for multiple generations. We know how to fish. We know the lake. We are exhausted. The nets have just been cleaned. It's daylight for heaven's sake. This is a complete waste of what? Yes. Yes. So Peter has two voices in his mind battling it out. He has the professional fisherman and the fledgling disciple. So the professional fisherman in the flesh, he knows from experience the futility of fishing after sunup when fish can see the nets. And he reminds Jesus, who is considerably less experienced in such matters of this fact, but then we have the fledgling disciple that is led by the Spirit. And he, he allows Jesus to have the final word based on his authority, not his own. Is that not what we all go through on, daily in our life? Right there. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were what? Breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And this sounds like it happened pretty fast, does it not? This sounds like he finally listened to Jesus and he let that net down in a, in a matter of minutes. It goes tight, the boat tips over, and all of a sudden they have a record haul of fish that they cannot handle themselves. I mean, that is exactly what this sounds like to me. So they put out into deep water. Suddenly the lines go tight and the weight is shockingly heavy. There were so many fish in the net, it was beginning to break under the stress. I mean, how many of you have hooked a big fish and lost that sucker? I mean, how disappointing is that, right? You ever done that? You're fishing along, all of a sudden the line just almost pulls you out of the boat. And the drag goes out, and you're just hanging on for dear life. And then all of a sudden, he's off, and you lost him. And then you, then you want to say a few things like Mr. Bill Waits used to in, in Arkansas, right? Light up another one and cuss a little while because you lost the big fish. So they're panicking. They feel the weight of that net. They quickly, quickly realize they can't handle it alone. The boat starts leaning under the tension. They probably heard some of the net strands begin to strain and pop, which lets them know they had a huge haul of fish and they would need help. And so they signal their partners, hey! Or maybe it's more like this, hey, 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 hey! Trying to hold on to the net with one hand and wave them down with the other. And so they come out. They come out and they help them. To help them get it under control. And so finally, the dust settles. Looks like they've got it under control. And then Peter has a moment. Peter has a moment. Now that they've got help and it's kind of under control, Peter's got a moment to, to just soak this moment into his heart. Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Fell down at Jesus' knees, Simon Peter, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 
You are seeing, my friends, you are seeing deep conviction in the heart of Peter. Do you see that? Deep conviction in his heart. In his heart and mind, reading this text and studying this text, I I don't believe he was buying into all this miracle stuff. Sure, he had seen a couple of miraculous things happen, even in his own home, but he was still on the fence. And I I just, I have to wonder what Peter was thinking while all of this was going on around him. I have to believe that he's looking and he's seeing his boat and his fishing assets being used for something he was not yet fully committed to. His family and home having to be constantly hospitable to a swarm of people all around while trying to work and run a business at the same time. All the questions he was probably being asked about his mother-in-law and what happened. So all of a sudden, Peter is pushed into one of the most incredible events that has happened in all Judea. He could have never dreamed that this simple act of obedience would result in the haul of fish worth a what? Fortune. Now, I don't think he's thinking money, but it's certainly worth a lot of money that Jesus has given them these fish. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This situation with these fish cut him to the heart. Cut him to the heart. Peter had been fishing all his life. He most likely never witnessed or even heard of a catch of fish so large, so fast. A catch like that. I mean, you guys that are fishermen, you guys that are are hunters. I mean, a catch like that would be legendary. Could you amen that? Legend would have been talked about for generations to come. The Fisher, fa- the Fisher family would have been heroes for the amount of fish that they caught that day. This was a once in a li- this would have been a once in a lifetime experience, a payload that would take care of the bills for a long time, a long time. No, Peter had never seen or heard of a haul of fish this large as long as he and his family had been fishing. And on top of all that, it was produced. By a carpenter. What? What is going on down here in Gennesaret? Amen. This doesn't make sense, and it cut him to the heart. That day at Gennesaret, the word of God to Peter became living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Peter's reaction says it all. He doesn't say, I'm a terrible fisherman, a carpenter has outdone me. Right? He doesn't say, thank God I'm rich. Does he say that? What does he say in that moment? 
The moment the pressure comes, the moment the reality hits him, the moment he sees all of this, this internal dialogue that he's having, any doubt, any aggravation, all of that melts away and he, who he truly is, is exposed in his heart because he cannot believe what he has seen. This has got to be from God. He has been on his lake his entire life. He has never seen a catch of fish like this. This must be given by the hand of God. So he realizes that God is in the boat with him that day. And anybody that truly believes that there is a God and truly believes when you come face to face with holiness, what is your first reaction? I am a what? Sinner. I am unworthy to be in your presence. I am unworthy to be in this boat. You, are, uh, you, you do not need to be with me because I am a sinner. Please depart from me. Don't look at me. Have nothing to do with me. Peter is cut to the heart. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be what? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, do you catch the irony in this? Right after the greatest haul of fish that they have ever had, what do they do? Walk away from the profession. Walk away. To be a fisher of people is to be a fish who is able to relate what it means to be pulled out of dangerous waters by God's grace. Let us pray. Father, I'm so thankful that we have this true story to read to study, to apply to our lives, that we can look into Peter's life and, and see how you slowly moved him through your love and through your grace to become the prince of the apostles. In all of his failings and all of his mistakes and all of his just lack of control of his mouth and his emotions and the spontaneity of his life, Lord, you used him. You called him and you used him and, you, and he followed you. And Father, as we see Peter, we see ourselves. None of us is perfect. We all have imperfections. We all have sins. We all have inabilities. We all have weaknesses. But yet you are calling us, Lord. You are calling us to follow you. You are calling us for, for the kingdom become, to become the first priority in our lives. So that when we hear the needs that your body has, that we don't ignore them that we step up and we say, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to go back out and put into the deep.
I'm willing to trust you even though I don't understand it, even though I don't think that I'm ready to do this, even though I don't think that I'm capable to do this. I believe you, Jesus, and I take you at your word. I can do this through your power and through your strength. And that's the call, Lord. Your word is very clear. You're always with us, always with us. Nothing in our life is wasted. You use everything, all all things that we experience, Lord, you use for our good. And there's not another calling on earth that produces that anywhere for anyone but you. So Father, as we close today, I pray that if there's anyone out there today that doesn't know you, either watching by live stream or here together with us today here at Parkway, that they would hear Jesus call, follow me, trust me, and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for a brief time of response? see first of all um the back to school bash is on right clayton so uh if you want to participate in that have your kids here by five is that right 5 30 5 5 30 so i'm excited I got a big old slip and slide again right yeah. big one so hey guys if y'all like slip and slides show up now y'all can be seated everybody else is sitting down everybody be seated for just a second the cincinnati mission trip went fantastic right colton it really did. It was wonderful. We will give you a report on that. Today's not the day for that. We'll give you a report on that. Uh, Marty Luffman is going home on Tuesday. Praise God. Yes. Long, long trial. Um, he, is, he is not completely done with therapy and those types of things, but, but they have determined it is time for him to go home, so he will be going home on Tuesday. Uh, please remember Linda Crossland. Linda Crossland is having hip replacement surgery, I believe, tomorrow. And I know that there are some, uh, some, meal, some meal supports being organized for that. If you would like to contribute to that, talk to Kim Morgan. Uh, she can help you with that. 
Deacon's meeting was moved to next Sunday at 4 p.m. Deacon's meeting next Sunday at 4 p.m. This Wednesday night, we will be studying the letter of 1 Corinthians. Romans went for two sessions. By the way, did y'all, David do okay, those of you that came? Okay, all right, all right. Thank you, David, for, for filling up. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Valerie Shaver, where are you, Valerie? Valerie Shaver lost her oldest uh, sister, uh, died this past week. She will be traveling to Knoxville uh, to be with her family. So please pray for her as she is traveling to Knoxville Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Joanna's baby shower. Hallelujah, Joanna is having a baby. Amen. All right. Yeah, hallelujah. Um, her shower is actually next Saturday, not Sunday. I think the bulletin may have had that mixed up. Somebody told me so. Next Saturday here at the church. And then finally, be sure and pray for Colton. Uh, I cleared this with him before I mentioned it, before I mentioned it to you today. He's been having a, a little kind of um, uh, aggravating health issue uh, that he is finally going to go and get some testing for tomorrow, right, brother? Tomorrow. So be in prayer for him. Uh, I mean, Colton's been an anchor here. Can y'all amen that? He's been an anchor here. And so we want our anchor to be healthy and strong, amen? So uh, please be in prayer for him as he goes to get that checked out, and we'll get back with you uh, if there's anything reportable on that. And I do believe that's it. Do you have anything else? Just an encouragement and a reminder, we have our team ministry discovery packets. Um, I believe I saw them in the window out there as you're leaving the sanctuary. I would just encourage you, grab those, fill them out. Um, you know, you can take a little bit of time with them. There's a few questions on there. I think it's like 11 or 12 uh, questions. And just take your time with those packets. Uh, really think about where God has gifted you. And it's just to explore that where God has gifted you so we can help plug you in in places that you'll love to serve and where you'll feel gifted to serve because the Holy Spirit has gifted you in those areas. So please do that. And uh, there's a place, uh, I think it's on that long green desk there where you can turn in your packets after you're done filling them out. Yeah. Oh, oh goodness. Okay. Ed Garner. Remember Thank him. Thank you very much. Okay. So Ed Garner's got an appointment in the morning. Uh, he's feeling better, but he was rushed to the emergency room. So, oh, he wouldn't oh, he go. Would okay. Go. Okay. You know, men, what what can you do? <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you have anything you want to say? Okay. Would you yeah. get everybody to stand and close us out? Brother? Yeah. Let's stand up and right. we will close out in prayer. Our dear Lord, we thank you for this day of worship. God, I thank you for um, just giving inspiration and creativity to our worship team, to Steve. Uh, my heart has been lifted up to worship you today in spirit and truth. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters in the room, that today has really been just a genuine, unique experience of, of worshiping your name. Certainly, God, I just am reminded that we never want to take your name in vain. And every single time that we worship and we, we call out to your name and we mention your name, oh God, I pray that it would be in genuine, sincere worship. Uh, that God, we wouldn't be thinking about hot dogs and cheeseburgers as we're praising you, but God, we would be thinking about your glory and your goodness. And that there are angels and seraphim that are having their feet and their uh, faces covered because of your holiness and your glory. And 
uh, God, I just pray that our hearts would be convicted like Peter in the midst of God. Lord, he realized that God was in the boat. And um, what a great message this morning, Father. Thank you for inspiring our hearts, for enlarging our hearts to, to just worship you from our, our dear brother Shelby. And um, God, you're doing amazing things in this church. I'm just convinced of it all the more as I sit here and just watch in and out from Sunday to Sunday to Wednesday. God, what you're doing in the hearts of the youth and the children, in my children, Lord. Um, I love hearing my children come home and say that, that they have learned something about your glory and your goodness, and about you, Jesus, and that you came to save sinners like us. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do the good work here. I pray that you would uh, help us to long for holiness, Lord, that you might be glorified. God, help us to long for it. And I pray that uh, all the more as we come back into this place on Wednesdays, and on Sunday mornings, there would be a great anticipation to worship your name, so much so that it would be felt in the room, Lord, as visitors come in. And I think today was part of that, Lord. I feel like I felt the, your Holy Spirit at work in this place. And I pray that if there's anybody who doesn't know you, Christ, that you would do work in their souls and that they would seek one of us out to uh, learn the gospel and be saved. We thank you for this time. Help us to leave here safely and to come back next time ready and full to worship you. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen.